0: Sometimes the BS doesn't all fit between six and nine. So this is where we put the extra bits. Jamie and Lee on Listener. Anytime you want them. Great to be catching up with this lady. She is an ARIA winner. She is a Countdown Music Award winner with Do Re Mi. She is a Music Victoria Hall of Famer. She is coming to Wagga as well. We are saying a very good morning to Deborah Conway. Hello.
1: Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, Lee. Lovely to be here.
2: It's great to have you. Now, tell us a little mm. bit about the show that you're bringing to town on the 2nd of March, Songs from the Book of Life.
1: Okay, so in the um, the crazy times of- It was the Victorian lockdown that went on for a couple of years. And I did start it before lockdowns began, but lockdown going on for as long as it did afforded me to be able to write a memoir, which was called Book of Life. And then as the lockdowns continued, we decided, well, my husband and I thought we could write a distillation of the memoir and turn it into a stage show because that's what you do, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, And, um, you know, it's just like all that, that deprivation of outside stimulus made us kind of look inward, and we have created a musical theatrical experience unlike anything that we have done before, and it's been very fun, very fun to put on, very fun and challenging. Eight songs around, eight scenes from a life well lived.
0: Talk to us about that, writing a memoir, writing an autobiography. How is that process? Like... Where do you start and how do you like go about putting it down on paper?
1: Good questions, all good questions. So I had wanted to write something for a long time and, of course, I was daunted. You know, songwriting is a very different uh, discipline. But I thought, well, I, what I might do is I'll kind of... Trick myself. So I downloaded my list of songs from the um, the Australian Performing Rights Association (APRA) website, which all come up in alphabetical order. And then I'll pick a hundred and I'll write a hundred essays. And it was then it was like it was a sh- it was short form. So it wasn't that I was sitting there writing a four hundred page book. I was just writing a series of essays and, in alphabetical order. But of course, it, it was it was sort of slightly impractical. And then of course it um it became a tiny bit repetitive because you know things that you might write under the title of a when you got to the letter y you know 2 years later you might remember exactly what you'd written for one for an a song that you might write for a y song Um, so, uh, with a, with a great deal of, um, of editing process and, uh, scrutiny, um, I finally whipped it into shape with the help of a lovely gentleman called Malcolm Knox, who's a cricket writer actually, and put it in a different order. So, um... It became a book and a lovely flowing stream of stories and uh, tales from from the seamier side of, of the music business that people probably are curious about and have no idea how it works. So I think um, there was a lot to entertain me. I was finding myself that I'd, starting to write something and have no idea that I might have ended up at this other point you know three pages on or five pages on and uh, and you know really delighted at the sort of serendipity of it at the kind of strange turns that your mind can take and so there was all of that and it was it actually became a very pleasurable diverting experience when the um, when the outside world was no longer available for um, musicians and many many other people besides through that two-year period and then we finally finished the memoir and we we got the show up and we toured it in regional new south wales and regional victoria sort of you know in between lockdown moments which was difficult but then the show became a lot more streamlined with the um the second iteration and that was produced in part by the um art center melbourne So we had a lot of support. We had some beautiful collaborators coming on board to design sets and costumes. And there was a wonderful choreographer, Stephanie Lake, Nicholas Rue, who's an incredible video designer. Mm -hmm. And uh, the show has grown exponentially from the small regional tour that we did the first time around. And also, it's a lot tighter and a lot punchier. So I think people will be quite delighted when they see it because it's unlike anything I've ever done and possibly unlike anything they've ever seen. It's really quite an unusual approach to telling a um, an autobiographical story.
2: I mean, it is uh, an autobiographical story, as you mentioned earlier on though. It's kind of a two-hander with your husband, Willie Ziger. Tell us how that breakdown works in terms of input and who gets kind of final say over something or, you know, how did that process work?
1: It's always a negotiated settlement. <laughs> we both <laughs> We both have the same goal in mind, being to make the best work we can possibly make, to have the most impact that we can possibly have on an audience, to create something that's you know sharp and memorable and pithy and effective. So we're both working to the same end. We very rarely disagree, but we're very critical of each other as well. But the critical aspect is always in order to make the work better. So, you know. It does. It's a good relationship. I'm very grateful for that because how many times can you say that you've got someone who actually really... Honestly, tell you honestly how great or bad your work is.
2: <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and my yeah. Love and my wife would argue probably there's plenty for her to criticise, and I I can't
0: really argue against that either. So <laughs> <laughs> there you
1: go, perfect relationship.
0: Deborah, looking back at your career, if you could go back and give your younger self that one piece of advice, either about the music industry or your career or whatever it happens to be, what would that piece of advice be?
1: Um. <laughs> well. Oh, there's a lot. I guess there's a lot. Don't trust anyone. <laughs> Be more attentive. Pay more attention. Um, and uh, and don't sell real estate. That's also I'd say that. <laughs>
2: Yeah. In the press sort of uh, material for the show, it says that you don't quite play yourselves in the show, yourself and Willie. It's more like you, your versions of yourself, your kind of character versions of yourself. Was it fun to get back to that, uh, that kind of acting thing? I know you, you acted in uh, Peter Greenaway's fantastic uh, Prospero's books way back when. Was it good to stretch those acting muscles again?
1: That I would call Prospero's books an acting exercise for me. It was called, more like you know, filming a, a huge video. It was me singing the part of Juno mm. in the wedding mask, which was um, this oh, incredible, I'm sure you remember yeah, it. Michael Nyman's
2: incredible score.
1: Hundreds upon yeah. hundreds of extras with no clothes on painted in different <laughs> colours, which was pretty entertaining, I've got to say. But I'm not sure there was much acting <laughs> involved. But it was fun to be in. I did enjoy the um, process. I enjoyed recording it as well at, the, at Abbey Road Studios with the London Symphony Orchestra. I guess the acting that I did before that was, was Running on Empty, which was a film that came out in about 1982 and um, has become since a, uh, a cult classic on many platforms. But I would say there's not much acting in that either. Well, not from me anyway. So oh. I'm not sure. <laughs> Maybe the last time I acted was in our town in school, <laughs> my school days. But look, you know what? I loved it. I actually I loved it. And... Um, I like doing things that are scary and I'm out of my comfort zone and I'm beating myself up before I go on stage going, what am I doing? What have I done this How could I do this to myself? But then it's so exhilarating when you've done it and you've climbed this mountain and you haven't died in the process and people have enjoyed the work and they can tell that you're out of your comfort zone and that you're dancing right on the edge and that's the best place to be. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And look forward to seeing it on the stage. March 2nd, Book of Life, the show with Deborah Conway and Willie Zigger. Deborah, before we let you go, if people do want to grab a copy of your book, where can people go about grabbing one?
1: You can, I believe they're in most of the bookshops as far as I know And they're, it's also online as an e-book But it's also an audible book So you can actually listen to it it's For people who are doing long drives And I'm sure that there are plenty of people in Wagga Who do long, lots of long drives <laughs> It's an entertaining audio book Because there's a lot of the songs are in there So every song that I was able to put in I, I did And songs that are owned by the record company I was allowed to use 30 seconds of So there's a track there that no one will have ever heard before and I read the book People have told me how much they've loved that. so that's an, that's another different kind of experience for people. But if you want to get the book, that's also got some great photos in it. So oh. hey, get both. Why yeah, not?
2: why not? Why not get both? <laughs> Fantastic. That is going straight to the top of my Audible wish list. Uh, Deborah Conway, Willie Zigger at the Wagga Civic Theatre, March the second for Songs from the Book of Life. Deborah, thank you so much for your time this morning, and us uh, for the show.
1: Thank you very much, Jamie. Thank you, Lee. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I hope um, I hope we get to see you. At show
2: jamie and leon listener
0: anytime you want them and live from six to nine weekdays on the riverina's triple m